Hello, everyone. I'm Sean Kelly, the voice of the Florida Gators, and welcome to Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. I'm excited to get started again. We resume the podcast here after the holiday break, and this is our first episode of the calendar year 2024. I guess I should tell you where I am. I'm in Oxford, Mississippi, where the Gators men's basketball team will continue SEC play against the Ole Miss Rebels. It's game two for the Gators as they look to even their conference mark here against the Rebels, who started the season 13-0, but they themselves are also 0-1 in SEC play. This is one of those quintessential college towns, right? Oxford is home to great establishments like Proud Larry's, the Library, City Grocery, the square is idyllic when it comes to a southern town and, of course, a beautiful campus as well. I don't get to go here all that often. We certainly don't go here every year in football. It's been a couple of years since the Gators have been here in men's basketball, too. So a treat to come here on a cold January today. In fact, our podcast today is all about the world of college basketball. Both of our guests today are involved in college basketball, one at the national level, the other for, of course, the Florida Gators. Jay Billis is the lead analyst for ESPN and has been working for the worldwide leader since the mid-90s. A former college player at Duke, a professional player in the NBA and overseas, a coach, and a professional lawyer, too. It's Billis's broadcast career that has brought him notoriety and fame across all college basketball platforms and fan bases alike. Billis offers insight today on where the college game is in 2024, his thoughts on the different conferences, of course the SEC, and he'll offer up what he sees already now for Todd Golden in year two at the helm of the Florida Gators men's basketball team. With regard to the Gators, one of the high-impact transfers this year is fifth-year senior Zion Pullen. The starting point guard for the Gators has scored double digits in every game. He's top 10 in the country in assist-to-turnover ratio. He's a quiet leader of this team who's emerged as one of the possible MVPs of this young season. Of course, Zion Pullen and the Gators have bigger goals to achieve and still nearly a full slate of SEC basketball to go, but a chance today to get him, get to know him a lot better. So with that being said, we begin 2024 with a lot of college basketball talk. Our guest this week, Jay Billis of ESPN and Zion Pullen of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales with Sean Kelly is presented by UF Health. UF Health has locations throughout Florida, including Gainesville, Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Leesburg, and the Villages, and we're growing. Compassionate care and world-class outcomes, that's our game plan. Visit ufhealth.org to learn more. Our podcast is also brought to you by Pet Paradise. Gator fans, for pet fanatics like you, there's only one place who goes all out for your pet the way you do. Boarding, grooming, day camp, and veterinary services, all in one convenient location. Pet Paradise and New Day Veterinary Care. Finally, complete pet health care is here for Gator Nation. The great Jay Billis is the first guest on Gator Tales for 2024. Jay, welcome back to Gainesville. When was the last time you were here? Uh, I think for Kentucky, we had a game day here, but it's been a while. Uh, it's been a few years, and uh, I love coming to Gainesville. It's such a great town, and this is a great arena, so it's a, always a pleasure to be back. When you walk into this building, who do you start to think of? 
Well, I mean, the first thing you think of is their, uh, you know, title teams in 06 and 07 probably. Uh, but, you know, I'm old enough that, heck, uh, I remember when Norm Sloan was here and, uh, and you know, Lon Kruger back in the 90s, early 90s. I think they went to the Final Four in 94. Um, so, I, you know, I remember the whole history of it. But, uh, you know, I've got so many friends that went here to Florida. Andy North actually is a good friend, went to Florida. So there are a lot of, a lot of connections here. Do you hear from those guys during the season, whether they're Florida guys or, or, or your fellow Duke alum, just different people, their alma maters that you find yourself stopping at, do you get a text or a call when you pop into that town? Yeah, and usually it's before the game saying, do we have a chance? Uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, people are really proud, and, and obviously uh, alums of, of Florida are really proud. And I don't know when it really turned when you started thinking basketball with Florida. Uh, because it was, you know, it's always been football forward. Um, I don't want to say football school because that's insulting to the rest of the sports, but uh, probably when Billy Donovan, you know, started that rise here, uh, basketball became a happening. And, you know, this fan base is a hard place to play. And it, it hadn't always been the easiest place to broadcast because the, the student section was right on top of you. And, uh, and it was, you could hear it through the headset, but that makes it fun. This has always been a, a really fun place for a basketball game. When we're talking about the conferences really cranking up right now, based on what you've seen so far this season, I, you know, the, the numbers would tell us that perhaps the Big 12 is the strongest, SEC's right there. Where do you start to line them up as we get into the bulk of conference play? That's probably right. I think Big 12, SEC are, are the two leaders in the clubhouse. I, I, you know, it used to be back in the old days when the conferences were smaller that, uh, you know, numbers went down when you got to conference play. Uh, but now the conferences are so big, some of the bottom uh, teams of these different conferences are, are layup games for the better teams. And I don't think that's as true in the, the SEC. There aren't, there aren't a lot of easy wins in this league, you know, especially on the road. I mean, that's true of a lot of places. But, uh, you know, you're going to have to play every game, and it becomes a grinding thing. And I think one of the mistakes I think fan bases make – uh, but teams sometimes too is you know you, maybe you uh, you know you're playing on the road to start the season you got a difficult the conference season you got a difficult early slate and you know maybe you're two and three to, in your first five or something like that that's not a disqualifying thing this ain't football and the teams that you know this Florida teams built uh, for success I think and as they get to to know each other even better toward the end of the season this is really about. Uh, are you consistent and can you play your best basketball at the end? Uh, because last year, I think at this time of year, people were probably writing off UConn. You know, they had lost six of eight at one stage in January, I think it was. You know, they won their first nine or so, lost six of eight, and then they reeled off all these wins toward the end. They were the best team at the end. And it's really about building toward the end. Football, you're, you know, you lose two games, you're disqualified. You know, Georgia loses one game. Nobody can tell me that. You know, they weren't one of the four best teams, but we don't do it that way, and I think that's a really good thing. Jay, yet though, at what point you are who you are? I mean, you're talking about building or crescendoing toward the end, but aren't you at some point the team that you're going to be in some cases? Well, I think that's probably fair that, that every team has a ceiling. You know, there are certain teams that are killing it right now, and, and you're watching them play going, they're, they're one of the best teams right now, but do they have a capacity to get a lot better? 
And sometimes the answer is no. There are other teams that have uh, stubbed their toe a few times, gotten beat, they had a guy out, whatever it is, and you're going, but man, at the end of the year, they've got a chance to get a lot better. Um, So I've never been a believer that, you know, I I get sort of the identity part of you, you are who you are, but, you know, when you, it's almost like when you look at analytics, you know, it, it, people get all wrapped up in this Ken Palm stuff, which I love. I look at it all the time, too. But the analytics tell you what you've done. They don't tell you what you can do. And, uh, and so the teams, I think, that keep a positive growth attitude, there are a lot of teams that get better through the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. And you're not talking about these leaps and bounds. You're, you're somebody you've never been, but but you can make incremental improvements even in the postseason. And uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, and you you see it every bit as much as I do, where you have teams in the postseason that do things in a five-game stretch that they didn't do five times throughout the course of the season. And that that means they they kept plugging at it and weren't willing to say, okay, you know, we've reached our we've reached our zenith here. Um, You can continue to get better even as the postseason starts. Jay, the the transfer portals had an immediate impact here for Todd Golden in his second year at Florida. Where else around the country has the portal had a big impact this season? You know, I think it's had a big impact almost everywhere. Uh, there are very few really good teams that don't have transfers on them. Uh, and sometimes the transfers are second year transfers. They've been there for a couple years. But that's the way of the world now. And I, I look at it as a huge positive. I realize that there are frustrations on the part of coaches that, that roster certainty is, is different now. But it gives you a lot more choices. What it's really done is impact a lot of high school players that, you know, you would be a high-level recruit uh, not a high-level recruit, but you'd be a you'd be a Power Five recruit, and maybe now you're not because uh, some coaches are saying, you know what, I'd rather take this junior that's proven it at this level and can come in, and if we're going to have a new player, I'd rather have a new junior than a new freshman. Uh, that's happening, but most of the best programs are balancing getting really good transfers along with uh, with really good high school players that they can build with and it really the the issue and it's an overused term in in sports is culture uh you don't want to bring in freshmen and then recruit over the top of them without them understanding like hey wait a minute you know like they they feel like they've waited their turn all of a sudden this junior comes in when they're a junior going wait a minute you just recruited somebody over me but that's kind of the way it goes. It's competition. Um, I, I, I happen to like it, and I think it's great for – just look at, at your roster here, like Walter Clayton. Why, why should he, because he was under-recruited out of high school because of football and COVID and all that, why should he have to remain at Iona for his whole four years when he's got a chance to play in a bigger stage? And I'll do respect Iona. I mean, I knew who he was at Iona, but most fans didn't. And, and he deserves to, this opportunity – in this chance if he wants it and he's making you know making the most out of it and I, I think it's all positive do you think somebody will try and rein it in at some point like if you transfer you have to sign it to your commitment or something along those lines you, you really can't do that the, the one thing that i think is going to happen and i've advocated this for years we're stuck in this system where we still believe that amateurism exists and it doesn't but what I would say is is just let the schools sign players to contracts. Uh, they're pros, and let them be pros. That doesn't mean they don't have to go to school and they can't be students and all that. That's all. Uh, that's all been you know NCAA talking points and nonsensical garbage. Frankly, uh, sign them to contracts, and we'll do it that way. And you and I talked about this before we came on the air. 
you know, I do think Division One needs to contract and be about 120 or whatever they want it to be. If you got it like football, where you had uh, a, a separate division of the big shots playing, it, it that, and I'm not talking about the tournament that can be handled differently. But you know, the, those schools that all play each other, every good player would want to be in that division. And so you'd have more talent spread out over fewer units, and it would provide more depth, more roster certainty for coaches, and it would have fewer places for players to transfer. But but signing them to contracts is where this is headed. These players are going to be paid by their schools at some point in the very near future. Like these lawsuits are not going away. The NCAA has been violating antitrust law since it and since it started over a hundred years ago, and they're finally being held to account for it. So we're going to see these changes, whether they like it or not. Did you ever think that your life as a lawyer would overlap this much with your role as a a broadcaster and a college basketball NBA analyst? No, and I'm grateful for for my legal education, the fact I spent so many years as a practicing attorney uh, because it's helped me navigate all this. But I didn't, I didn't think when I first started in basketball broadcasting that I'd be spending so much time talking about legal issues. But uh, you know, it makes me makes me happy that uh, that I actually you know went to went to school and pursued that degree because it's been really helpful. Last thing, your thoughts on the Gators? How is this team made up in your eyes? What are its strengths? Maybe weaknesses as they enter SEC play? Well, I think they've got really good depth. Uh, it's a very balanced team. Five guys averaging double figures and a six is, you know, around nine points a game. Uh, so they have a number of weapons that can take over in a game and give you 20 plus points. It's a, it's a big team uh, with a lot of size. They balance uh, experience and youth very well and they can really rebound. And so for Florida, I think the, the next step is going to be taking better care of the ball uh, because, you know, people don't think about this, but it's a very simple proposition, and it's a truism in basketball. If you get a shot every time down, you give yourself the opportunity not just to make the shot, but to get fouled and to get an offensive rebound. And that's, this team does that very well. Uh, you you turn the ball over, even if you just throw it out of bounds and you're playing five-on-five on on defense, you take those opportunities away. If it's a live ball turnover, you can't set your defense, your guard in a run out, which you cannot guard. You know, uh, people talk about transition defense. The first rule of transition defense is run good offense. Let your offense help your defense. And I think Florida is getting there to where, you know, this is a team that has a, a much higher ceiling. Like they're, I think, what, 10 and 3 right now. They've got a really high ceiling. And uh, these young guys are going to get better as long as they stay healthy. Uh, I think this is, a, this is a, a really good basketball team and an NCAA tournament team. Thank you, Jay Billis. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you. Our next guest on Gator Tales with Sean Kelly is starting point guard for the Florida Gators, Zion Pullen, who's averaging double figures every game. He's top 10 in the country now, assist to turnover ratio, and he's in his first year here with the Gators after four at UC Riverside. More on that in a moment. First of all, congratulations on a great start to your season. Are you happy with what you're doing at Florida right now, Zion? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'm definitely you know, excited of, you know, what this, this team has and, you know, just enjoying, you know, being able to play, you know, here at the University of Florida. So you get perspective because you came from somewhere else. So when you now look at the current team that you're on, what do you see? 
I think just, you know, continuing to play with a lot of, you know, talented players. Um, you know, got a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, kind of takes, you know, some pressure off you. So, uh, you know, that's been, you know, fun, just learning new people's tendencies and all that stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, just kind of taking the whole experience in. You seem like a quiet guy. Is that a fair assessment? <laughs> I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty laid back. I is how I describe myself. But uh, you know, I definitely definitely talk around the guys and all that stuff. Yeah, your, your your coaches describe you as a leader by example. Is that something that you are cognizant of? Yeah, no, that's where where everywhere I've been, you know, it's kind of been the thing. Uh, you know, just prefer to lead by example. But uh, you know, trying to be more vocal too uh, in areas in which you know I need to be. So, have you always been a guy that wants to be a leader of a group, or is that something that you've acquired as you've gotten a little bit older? I definitely say it's more something I acquired. Uh, I used to, you know, follow, um, and now trying to be, you know, more in that leadership role, uh, especially, you know, the position I play. Um, you know, definitely got to be more vocal and trying to be an extension of the coach. So, uh, you know, definitely stuff I'm still still working on, you know, not there fully, but, uh, you know, still working on every day. I'm going to assume that basketball is your favorite sport. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if that's the case, then what are the other sports that you have enjoyed playing or you like to watch? Yeah, no, I definitely say basketball is my favorite sport. But uh, I watch, I watch, you know, college football and just finished watching the college football playoffs. Um, but I'd say I watch a lot of basketball, so not too many other sports. You know, I'm starting to like tennis a little bit, but uh, I'd say those those two sports. Tennis? Who yeah. got you into tennis? I would say. Uh, I don't know my girl. Uh, she she watched a little tennis and it kind of rubbed off on me. Just and then you know especially you know got Ben uh, who went to University of Florida. So uh, you know definitely started watching him a little bit um, and started watching that uh, from there. What about pickleball? Are we going to put that in the in the possibility that you might dabble in a little bit? Potentially, potentially here soon. <laughs> I was planning on playing when I got back home, but I uh, didn't end up making it. Play bocce ball instead. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll pick up pickleball soon. Bocce ball. Yeah. I. Look, I love bocce ball. I don't hear your age group talk about it much. Oh, when did you first get introduced to bocce ball? Uh, I'd say like I'd say summer. Uh, definitely started picking up bocce ball a little bit, um, and I'd, I'd say uh, definitely a big fan of bocce ball. Uh, you know, super super fun and stuff like that. All right, harder to do uh, drive and kick on time on target basketball pass or making sure the bocce ball goes out and gets as close as it can to the. Uh, to the little ball, you know what I'm talking about. I can't, it begins with a P. I'm, it's eluding me right yeah. now. Yeah, um, that's a great question. But I'd say probably getting the ball closer on the pickleball court uh, is def- definitely a little tough. So. Yeah, you mentioned the word home. Tell me about home. Uh, I'm from you know Pleasant Hill, California. You know around that area is what I, what I like to say. Uh, I went to high school out there um, and just you know grew up there. Uh, you know it's. You know, a lot, a lot of my style, uh, just laid back for the most part. Um, and that's just, you know, where a lot of family and stuff like that are from. Is it city? Is it country? What is it? Uh, it's definitely city. Definitely yeah. definitely city. Um, <laughs> it's it's nice out there. Yeah, I mean, is, is it the kind of place that you'll look back on fondly for your growing up? Or is it the kind of place where, like, hey, man, that was, that was a hard place to, to learn how to find myself? Yeah, it's, it's definitely different. You know, basketball is not necessarily the biggest, you know, especially where, you know, that area. But, um, you know, around there, there's definitely a lot of, you know, basketball culture and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I definitely always look back and enjoy, you know, my time there. Yeah, what, what were the, some of the things that you like to do? Like, my age group back in the day, it was like, you know, go to the mall, that kind of thing. Malls don't even exist anymore. What about you guys? Yeah, we, 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 had, a couple, we had a couple malls around there where we go after school or whatnot. But, um I really just a lot of a lot of just basketball, uh, being around you know friends, um, and that kind of took up a lot of time. 
you're a long way from home. Is that okay? Yeah, no, it's it's great, especially you know the the career path I you know want to go down. Um, you know, kind of it kind of comes with the territory. Um, so you know, it's just another step in you know on the road. And you know, I think they you know everyone at this university has made it easy for me. Is that career path involved the NBA? That's the plan. Yeah. That's the plan. So you decided to go one more year of college, and that I, I'm assuming was in pursuit of preparing yourself for the NBA. Am I reading that right? Yeah. No, I think it was definitely. I thought it was the the best next step for uh, you know trying to get to the NBA. Uh, you know, playing at the the highest level, arguably one of the highest levels, um, and really just challenge myself. I knew you know Coach Gold and the whole staff were gonna you know prepare me, uh, you know challenge me and stuff like that, and I thought it was just you know the best decision. As far as I know, there's there's some connection between Coach Golden and his staff and the coaching staff that you played for at UC Riverside. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, even even my previous my previous head coach, uh, they all had ties. So yeah, I definitely say the ties run deep. Uh, is how I describe it. But uh, you know, definitely talked to Golden back in the day uh, when he was at USF. Mm-hmm. Um, so already kind of had a relationship uh, established. So it was the decision to. to not just play one more year, but to do so at Florida doesn't seem like it was that hard based on what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it was or definitely, was it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was definitely challenging, you know, hearing, you know, some of the schools and, you know, hearing, you know, what they had to offer and, you know, maybe the different positions. Um, but, you know, I think going back to that uh, definitely, you know, made me a lot more comfortable, you know, making my decision for, you know, my final year. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm watching this transition. We all are. And it's not just college basketball. It's it's baseball, football, all of them to where some of it's the COVID effect that you all got an extra year of eligibility. But this ability now to, to do a grad transfer year, to, to move through the portal a little bit. And I, I wonder a little bit, Zion, if teams are able to build themselves into teams when you have moving parts every year. How, do, how does that, how can one overcome that, I guess? Or how does a team overcome that? It's, it's definitely, definitely challenging uh, just because, you know, you can, you can get a new guy every year um, and kind of build your team that way. But I think, uh, you know, I think it's just who you bring in um, and, you know, the culture you kind of establish and, you know, wanting guys to, you know, really be there. Uh, I think it's how you kind of overcome that a little bit. Let's wrap up this uh, this interview with with what it'll take to get to the next step for you, whether it's coaches that you work with, an agent perhaps. What have they recommended to you that you need to have in your toolbox, I guess, in order to make that jump? Yeah, uh, just for the next level, uh, just being, you know, showing I could be a solid point guard, um, you know, deal with pressure, um, you know, may, knock down the open shots, uh, and, you know, just, you know, just do, you know, whatever the team needs, uh, you know, kind of fit in whatever areas, uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to do here, uh, you know, whatever the coaches ask of me, or, you know, getting guys in the right positions, um, I think is, you know, all stuff that I'm going to need for the next level, so. Uh, NCAA tournament is that on your radar screen? Oh no doubt, it's been it's been there <laughs> since you know freshman year, you know college trying to do it at UC Riverside, um, and so that's you know that's that's the goal in mind. You know that's what we're working for uh, every day. You know I think we got the personnel to do it. So thank you, sir. I'm glad I got to know you a little better. No, thank you for having me. And there you have it, episode number seventeen of Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. Special thanks to my guest Jay Billis and Zion Pullen, and of course, big thanks to our sponsors too, UF Health and Pet Paradise. It's been a good visit to Oxford. It'll be even better if the Gators come home with a win. And don't think that I didn't have a little southern fried catfish or some of the other amenities that can be had here in Oxford, Mississippi. I'm eager to get back to Gainesville, and that's where we'll be next week. We'll be coming at you with another episode of our podcast. Have a great week, everybody. 
Stay tuned for a future guest coming in the month of January. And as always, go Gators.